You are listening to the Today I Found Out podcast, where each weekday we provide an interesting story that is going to feed your brain. You can read more great articles like this by going to todayifoundout.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 305 of the Daily Knowledge Podcast from todayifoundout.com. In the episode today, you're going to learn about the origin of the candy cane, because there are a lot of legends surrounding this piece of confectionery, and we're going to try and narrow down the stories and see which ones are true and which aren't. There isn't a bonus fact in today's episode, so let's just get right on with the show. Myth The white base color of the candy cane symbolizes Jesus' purity, the red stripes symbolize Jesus' blood when he died on the cross, and the J-shape was chosen to represent the J in Jesus. While this makes a great candy cane origin story, there is about as much evidence to back this up as there is supporting the myth that Mr. Rogers was once a sniper in the US military and always wore long-sleeved sweaters to cover up all the tattoos on his arms and chest, one for each person he killed. In fact, Mr. Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian minister, was never in the military, and anyone wanting evidence of his lack of tattoos need only talk to someone at swim clubs Mr. Rogers used to frequent that allowed nude swimming. Mr. Rogers won, and only even slightly scandalous, with an emphasis on slightly, thing he ever seems to have done, was that for most of his adult life he swam naked daily at certain pools that allowed it. This likely simply started because many public pools used to require nude swimming back when swimsuits were made of wool and other such fibers that interfered with the pool's systems. With the advent of more modern swimsuits, this was no longer an issue, but many still preferred swimming in the buff, as they'd always done. But back to the topic at hand. There simply isn't any evidence to support any of the Jesus connection to the candy cane story, though of course there's nothing wrong with creating such symbolism around existing traditions. We just need to stop short of calling it fact, which unfortunately seems not to happen very often with these sorts of stories. So what's the real candy cane origin story? Well, there isn't a lot we can say for sure, but attempting to trace the history is quite fascinating anyway. To begin with, white hard sugar sticks have been a fairly common confectionery for centuries. As to how these straight sticks became bent into a J-shape, there is a legend that this was done by a choirmaster in Cologne Cathedral in the late 17th century in order to symbolize a shepherd's staff. He would then give these shepherd's staff candies to children to keep them quiet during the traditional Christmas Eve nativity scene reenactment, Christmas Eve Mass. This makes a nice story, but there simply isn't much of any evidence to back it up either, other than it is a long-standing tradition often repeated by otherwise reputable sources. None of them, however, go so far to give any direct evidence to support it. Looking into it a little deeper, starting around the 15th century, the church officially bans live reenactments of the nativity scene, something that had previously been extremely popular, so any such scene that involved a minister or choirmaster and took place in the Cologne Cathedral in the 17th century would have been a static scene, so a little boring for kids to look at, as perhaps would be the mass itself. But that's hardly direct evidence that the story is true. It also seems questionable that candy would be allowed in such a service, and certainly the practice didn't catch on elsewhere, as the nativity scene reenactment was popular all over the place, starting in the 13th century, and nobody else seemed to think there was need for giving the kids candy during mass to get them to be quiet. At least there isn't record of it. It could just as well have been the case, and seems slightly more plausible, that candy canes got the crook end simply as it made them easier to hang on a tree. This is also why they are so closely associated with Christmas today. 
Around the same time candy canes seem to have gotten their crook, and in the same region this seems to have first happened, Germany, many other food items started to be used to decorate Christmas trees, like cookies, fruits, candies, and other such things. About two centuries later, the first known candy cane that popped up in America was also supposedly thanks to a German immigrant, August Imgard, who used the candy cane for this purpose, decorating a Christmas tree in his home in Worcester, Ohio. Or maybe it really was a minister trying to associate the confectionery with Jesus, and he simultaneously realized that the treats would not only be associated with Jesus if it looks like a shepherd's staff, but also would work well that way as a Christmas tree decoration. Who knows? As to the stripes on the candy canes, this one is more of a modern invention, but even so is nearly as much of a mystery as the rest of it. Evidence such as Christmas cards from the late 19th century seem to indicate people were still going with the all-white candy cane at this point. Then, in the early 20th century, there started to be many instances of candy canes showing up on Christmas cards with red stripes. Given candy canes were used as much for decoration as eating at this time, it's not surprising that somebody got the bright idea to put a colorful stripe on them. It should also be noted that a little over half a century or so before stripes were known to be added to candy canes, there is a reference of white peppermint candy sticks with colored stripes added. These weren't crooked candy canes, but perhaps this helped spur the tradition of stripes on peppermint candy canes when, in the early 20th century, various candy makers started experimenting with other flavors, including peppermint. But who first got the idea to make striped candy canes is still a mystery. Some say it was candy maker Bob McCormack in the 1920s. McCormack's company by the late 1950s would become one of the world's largest peppermint candy cane producers, selling about half a million candy canes per day at their peak. But it may well be that McCormack simply popularized the striping practice rather than invented it. One thing is for sure. This idea spread like a wildfire, and soon a red stripe on a candy cane was near universal, as was peppermint flavoring, perhaps as it would make the Christmas trees smell minty when not wrapped in plastic as today, or maybe just for the flavor. Who knows? Now, despite the lack of direct evidence that a Catholic priest or choirmaster had anything to do with the origin of the candy cane, there is a Catholic priest who has a claim to fame because of his association with the candy cane. Father Gregory Keller invented the Keller machine. No, not the Doctor Who Keller machine. This one simply automatically put the crook in the candy cane. Before this, the candy cane had to be manually bent when it was still warm and soft coming off the assembly line, usually using a wooden mold. Father Keller was the brother-in-law of the aforementioned Bob McCormack. McCormack was having trouble at the time because about 22% of the candy canes produced by Bob and his crew were ending up in the trash as they broke during the bending process. Keller's machine automated the process, and shortly thereafter was perfected by Dick Driscoll and Jimmy Spradling, both of which worked for Bob McCormack. This made it so the candy canes came out perfect nearly every time. And the rest, as they say, is history. You just listened to an episode of the Today I Found Out Daily Podcast. Tune in every weekday for another great episode, or find more articles at todayifoundout.com.